Welcome to Dog Training Disrupted by Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. Do you have an anxious, fearful, or even shy or what you might describe as a hesitant dog, lacking confidence, or perhaps one that simply you feel exists, but he or she isn't really enjoying life? In this episode, I talk about how emotions affect behavior. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, incorporates numerous psychology-based approaches, including emotional replacement therapy, which I'm going to talk about today and how this theory or practice is relevant in the process of addressing behaviors stemming from emotion. I'm Billy Groom, your host and expert in canine cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm going to take a moment to review the definitions of CBT to provide an overall understanding of what it is. This is taken right off the internet, Wikipedia, uh, and from my discussions with psychologists who use CBT. So CBT is a psychosocial intervention that aims to reduce symptoms of various mental health conditions, primarily depression and anxiety disorders. CBT is one of the most effective means of treatments for substance abuse and co-occurring mental health disorders, including habits. CBT focuses on challenging and changing cognitive distortions, and by that, those would be thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and their associated behaviors to improve emotional regulation and develop personal coping strategies that target solving current problems. CBT is a problem-focused and action-oriented form of therapy. The therapist's role is to assist the client in finding and practicing effective strategies to address the identified goals and to alleviate symptoms of the disorder. CBT is based on the belief that thought distortions and maladaptive behaviors play a role in the development and maintenance of many psychological disorders, and that symptoms and associated distress can be reduced by teaching new information processing skills and coping mechanisms. This is really important. These are really important points as, as we go through this. For instance, coping mechanisms, let's start with that, has become a trending term in the dog training world. Coping mechanisms commonly include measures to avoid unwanted behaviors, such as closing the blinds to block out the stimuli causing barking, or avoiding going on walks, or separating dogs, or using distractions that take the focus off the stimuli, and thus preventing the behavior just from preventing the stimuli from, from being seen, and also not allowing dogs on things like on the couch or to play tug-of-war just to, just to put a kibosh on everything. So these measures may be beneficial while a rehabilitation program is implemented just for safety and for ease, but they're more coping mechanisms for the human, not for the dog. So when CBT refers to coping mechanisms, they're referring to the subject that is in need of uh, psychotherapy. This coping mechanisms 
commonly referred to in dog training simply decrease or eliminate the potential situations that cause the behavior, but they do not change the dog's emotions or address the root of the behavior. They also change the behavior just based on restriction, not based on the dog's choice of changing the behavior. CBT as a psychology-based intervention recommends coping mechanisms for the subject that's in the program, not for those in their circle, such as the pet parent. So how do we apply coping mechanisms for dogs? Well, the upper dogology formula adheres to the principles of CBT by developing individually designed exercises that encourage processing. These exercises change and develop as we work through the program. And they're not standard for every dog, but they adhere to principles such as working with the dog in the environment that's comfortable for them, learning what they know, choosing verbal communication keys that resonate positively with the dog, and allow for exercises that encourage processing and decision-making. These exercises develop and advance throughout the program, so they don't remain the same. They don't even start at the same place for every dog. They act as the constant that keeps moving forward as a transferable element. So every single psychology-based method has to, I mean, you have to have repetition. It, things just don't boom happen. So there's a repetitive element in all methods. So with operant conditioning, that repetitive element would be the reward. With counter conditioning, which uses desensitization, the repetitive element is either the associative element or the repetition to desensitize the dog to the subject. So in, in the case with CBT, the exercises bring comfort. They are the repetitive element. And they also bring comfort in the way that deep breathing or journaling or practicing calming techniques do for humans. They literally reset the brain and allow for processing, working things through, and thinking before reacting. Another term used in the definition that I talked about earlier is emotional regulation. And this is interesting because it requires the subject to self-regulate. This commonly starts with reflection and deep understanding of oneself, but can dogs do this? Well, the exercises provide dogs with the skill to reevaluate their feelings and their emotions about the stimuli and their need to do a behavior to achieve their goal. When I say achieve a goal, I talk about this in other uh, uh, episodes as well. That could just be to stay alive or to keep their food or, or to uh, cross the street without getting run over or to remain in an area by themselves and be able to get sleep and, and uh, to be staying calm, to keep a dog at bay. There's lots of goals. With canine CBT, we do not direct a physical behavior. So we don't tell a dog to sit or to lay down or use a reinforcement during the time with the stimuli. We apply the exercises that allow for processing, thus resulting in the dog choosing to do a behavior such as leaving a window instead of barking at it, or just continuing on a walk instead of focusing on the dog across the street, or maybe they'll just go and lay down. When this happens, we know that the dog has regulated their emotions. They were able to process the situation and their surroundings, and even though they may remain uncertain of a subject or disinterested in meeting a person, 
They don't need to feel fear or panic, and that's what changes their behavior. So with CBT, the emotions change the behavior. With conditioning methods, the behavior changes the emotions. Counterconditioning does address emotions, and it doesn't always change the perception of the stimuli as with CBT. The method or approach of doing that is different because conditioning methods always use a, a reinforcement. And with counterconditioning, that reinforcement is an associative element. With CBT, we do not use a tangible reward. We use the exercises that reset the brain and allow for processing. As we go through this process, the emotions change. Even though the feelings towards the stimuli might remain the same, the anxiety is increased. So when I talk about the emotions, I'm talking about the emotions in the dog, not necessarily the emotions toward the stimuli. So as we go through that process, what can we expect? Here is where emotional replacement therapy comes into play. As with humans, emotions replace emotions. So we can't just assume that anxiety is going to go and, and it's not going to be replaced with another emotion. We feel different feelings and this leads to change in behaviors, often ones that are not considered positive, leading my clients to feel as though there is a regressioning happening, a regression, excuse me, happening during the program as we're going through it. And I'll give an example. So for example, as we have a dog who has high anxiety and that dog was timid on walks, but as the anxiety decreases, now all of a sudden the dog's beginning to pull on leash and pull on the walks and be excited. Or a dog that was fear reactive towards people is now jumping on them out of excitement. Or a dog that liked the crate no longer goes in the crate. Or maybe even behaviors associated with, sep with separation anxiety. So before when the person left, the dog would just lay down and really not be reactive at all. And now as we're working through the program, the dog decides to be reactive when the person leaves. And this could be considered forms of separation anxiety, but in actual fact, the dog is just excited to leave, wants to go, wants to go with the person, excited to go on walks, excited to go out. So they have more so what I would call FOMO, fear of missing out. Although the behaviors may be associated with separation anxiety, they're just excited and want to go. So, and that, that goes for the other examples as well. So a dog that maybe wasn't all that interested to go on a walk and, and, and was a bit fearful is pulling on leash because they're excited and they're curious and, and they want to sniff and they want to go. Or a dog that decides that they don't want to go in their crate anymore. It's not that they dislike the crate. It's that they were going in the crate because they needed a safe place which is great that we offered that to them. But the fact that they're choosing, no, you know, I don't really need a safe place anymore. I, I feel comfortable just in the home. That's a good thing. But people might feel, oh, their dog's starting to bark at things. Whereas before, often you'll find dogs won't bark because they don't want to attract attention to themselves. And as they become more confident, like, hey, look at me. So even though these behaviors are not ones that we necessarily want, we can address them. Essentially, they're, they're good problems. Emotional replacement therapy for humans is a little bit different. Humans self-regulate differently to a certain extent. And, and as change in emotions are often more calculated or directed and, and they can self, like I said, self-analyze themselves. They can also pre-decide these emotions. Whereas the exercises that we do with CBT, 
CBT, they do that. They build communication, confidence, and a bond. It's not discussed. It, it, the exercises inherently do that, and from there, changes happen. Once these changes happen, we don't want to suppress the excitement. We don't want to suppress emotions. We simply want to be able to acknowledge the emotions and be able to provide skills that allow the brain to stop and process, process without going into a panic state. Ultimately, a different emotion will take over and then a different behavior will take over. I want to just pop back one second to a dog that would be reactive on a walk out of excitement versus out of fear. With fear, we would want to address it using CBT or a form of psychotherapy. But if that behavior then changes to being reactive just due to excitement and happiness, we might just simply get a different harness, a harness that is uh, geared towards gently addressing pulling on leash, like a front clip harness, for example, something like that. And that could solve the problem right there. So it really depends on why that behavior is happening. And sometimes the changes in behavior can be very easily addressed. Emotional replacement therapy is rooted in cognitive therapies and is focused on regulating emotions, which is not about suppressing emotions or implementing measures that restrict, prevent, hide, or distract from the stimuli causing these emotions. And that's why I wanted to explain that earlier when I talked about coping mechanisms. ERT, Emotional Replacement Therapy, he actually provides skills through a process that helps us to regulate our emotions and our actions that are driven by the emotions. So that could simply be the ability, like I said, to stop and to process, to inhibit those reactions, which can also be termed, another term that's used in dog training, impulse control. How impulse control is applied in reference to dogs varies. For example, getting a dog to sit to prevent jumping aligns more with your standard conditioning methods, positive reinforcement. So get the dog to sit and then positively reinforce that. Teaching right from wrong. So I have other episodes that talk further about that. It focuses on the physical behavior. The sit is good, so we uh, praise that and reward that. And which is fine and can totally be effective. So if the dog is reacting to food, say for example, jumping to get it, then yes, conditioning methods would be great and, and a good way to teach the expected behavior. If the impulse behavior is stemming from an emotion such as fear, that they're lunging for the food because they're afraid somebody else is going to get it, then you would want a psychotherapeutic measure that focuses on the emotion that's driving the behavior. And that includes counter conditioning, possibly classical as well. Uh, they fall under conditioning methods, so they're going to be using reinforcements, but they are considered to be a form of psychotherapy and as well, of course, uh, CCBT, uh, ERT, and there's other ones that I'll talk about in other uh, sessions, uh, episodes coming up. So this has been a jam-packed episode. <laughs> the main takeaways are that working with anxious and fearful dogs is a process. But the process or the program should not simply rely on patience and coping mechanisms for the human. All methods require patience, but we need productive patience. Signs of progress inherently create patience. Secondly, not all changes are going to be exactly as planned. But even if they appear to be regressive in nature, 
or unwanted behaviors, if they are inducing and encouraging positive emotions, then the behaviors that follow can be easily addressed without suppressing the positive emotions. We never want to suppress emotions or force change. Using proven psychotherapy measures, we build trust, bond, and communication. Thus, allow our dogs to make calm decisions by processing their environment and situations, and in turn, their behaviors change. Please sign up to my email list, which can be accessed on my website, UpwardDogology.com, and follow Upward Dogology on Facebook and on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Billy Groom. Big shout out to Open Strum for the music. Check out the fabulous school programs by Open Strum that promote educational programs surrounding animal welfare and music and socially conscious projects. Please share this episode. Thank you for all you do for the animals and the people who love them. Enjoy your learning journey.